0: is real.
1: power in your name. We
0: To be able to believe God's promises, we have to know what they are. And so we study the word. God had given the children of Israel amazing promises and when it came time to step into the reality of the fulfillment of those promises, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And they made decisions based on unbelief rather than simple
1: trust. Where do you turn when you're overwhelmed, when your world feels out of control? Though your first instinct may be to find comfort in what's around you, True stability and direction comes from the Lord. Today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to know what God promises, and trust that he'll make good on his word. As you'll see with the Israelites, you'll miss out on the amazing things God wants for you when you don't take him at his word. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 13 as he begins his message, Spy Stories,
0: up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers as we pick up our through the Bible study here. Numbers 13 in this series that we're calling Wilderness. So if you're new to the Bible, I want to get you there. The book of Numbers is the fourth book in your Bible. So the fourth book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now we're in the book of Numbers chapter 13. Now, We've called this series Wilderness because the children of Israel are in the wilderness both literally and spiritually. God has delivered the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt. They had been there for 400 years. And God, by a mighty hand, delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And God delivered them from slavery to bring them into the promised land. So God delivered them out of something so that he can walk them into something new. That's an important reality. That God takes us out of something so he can bring us into something new. But the thing is, is the children of Israel, they're stumbling all over the place at this point. And it's real easy when you're reading your Bible to be like, oh yeah, the children of Israel can't get anything right. But then you take a moment and you self-reflect and you realize, yeah, I'm just like them. That like on my best day, I struggle a lot. Things don't go the way that I think they are going to go. And when things go wrong, I get things wrong. And really what we're going to see over chapters uh, 13 and 14 is that the children of Israel are right on the border of the promised land. Like they're right there. And God's going to have them send a delegation into the promised land to bring back word. And they're right there at the door of what God has given them. And they're going to choose not to go. Now, I don't want to lay all my cards on the table right now, but I believe for many of us, it's the exact same way. For many of us right now God has delivered you from bondage by his sheer grace because of Jesus he's given you his spirit and you're right on the border of stepping into the life that Jesus created you for and you're not sure that you want to take the step. What we're going to find for the children of Israel is this entire generation is going to die in the wilderness and not get to go in except for two guys. And the Big difference between the people who died in the wilderness and the two guys who went in is the two guys who went in believed in God's promise. That's the only difference. Everybody had the same information, but two guys believed what God had said. And that's why we study the Word of God, my friends. That's why every time we gather, we go through passages of the Bible books of the Bible, sections of the Bible, because in order to be able to believe God's promises, we have to know what they are. And so we studied the word. God had given the children of Israel amazing promises, and when it came time to step into the reality of the fulfillment of those promises, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And they made decisions based on unbelief, rather than simple trust. And like I said, I would love to be able to be like, yeah, I'm not like that. Except I know that we're all like that. The problem with walking by faith, as I always say, is what? You got to walk by faith. We'd much rather walk by sight. We'd much rather see it all. This is how it's going to work. If I do this, this is going to happen. If I do this, this is going to happen. I have a a whole set of uh, things that are going to go down. I know how it's going to happen. But God says, no, no, I want you to put your eyes on me and trust me. And we say, yeah, no. But it is as simple as that. And I wanted to make sure that we began there so that everybody knows up front. Because I believe for each one of us, there is a step of faith that God has right in front of you right now. And for each one of us, we're like, ah. You have to trust the Lord. And right now, whatever that thing is that God is asking of you that you're not sure that you want to do, I want you to pray the prayer that we, someone said to Jesus in the New Testament. I believe, Lord, and help my unbelief. That's the prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. It's such an honest, authentic, real-life prayer. God, I'm going to take the step. I believe, but there's all these question marks I have, and help me with to get over my unbelief. We walk by faith. So let's jump right on in here. Verse 1, Numbers chapter 13, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel, from each tribe, of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them out from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben: Shemua the son of zachor from the tribe of Simeon; Shaphat the son of Hori from the tribe of Judah; Caleb the son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Issachar. Igal, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gemali, from the tribe of Asher, Shether, the son of Micael, or Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vopsi. You know, I like that name, by the way. From the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, Notice how this begins. They're right there. The wilderness of Paran was right there at the edge of the land of Canaan, right there at the edge of the promised land. And he says, Send men in to spy out the land. And notice, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now, hear what he says I want you to send men into the land which I am giving the children of Israel. Notice, it is definitive, not I might be giving it to them, or if I decide that I want to be really nice, I'm going to give it to them, but I am giving it to them. So there is a little spying out the land mission, right? And and this is very common, right? Before you get involved in something, you go spy it out a little bit. You check it out. I mean, I bet there's some of you here right now who are a little on a little spy mission. You're checking out Crossroads. Maybe I'm going to go to Crossroads. I don't know. I'm going to go spy out on a midweek service. We'll see what it's like. Right? That's what you do. You check it online. I bet there's a lot of people online right now being like, hey, maybe I'm going to go to this Crossroads. I've been hearing about this place. And What are we going to do? God has given the children of Israel the opportunity to test drive the land. He's saying, look, I want you to go in. I want you to check it out. But I'm giving you the land. And what's interesting about that is you notice they're going to go but they're for, they're going to forget that God has given them the land. And you have to be careful not to neglect certain things that God is asking of you because you favor certain other things. That's what I've found in the Bible in my own life. There are certain things that God says that I really like and there are certain things that I'm not partial to. So I'm apt to want to hold on to the things that I like and neglect the things that I'm not partial to. I know the thing, it's the same for you guys too. Like Jesus said, love your enemies. Uh-huh, yeah, right? How many of you are like, yeah, love my enemies? No, you're like, they're my enemies for a reason, thank you very much. See, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And we say, I want to be a disciple, I'm following Jesus. Like, well, where's the self-denial? Where's the cross bearing? Well, we don't, eh, you know, let's not get too serious here, Fusco. We gotta take the whole word, apply all of it, not neglect any of it. And the children of Israel, they're game to spy the land out, but they don't want to remember the fact that God is giving it to them. And so, and interestingly enough, when he sends out the spies, there's 12 spies, one from each tribe. So in the party of spies in this new little espionage game that they're doing here. Each tribe is represented. And now again, this is important because each tribe now has ownership in it. It's not like, look, we're going to send in these two guys and they're going to speak for everyone. No, every tribe has a representative here. Every single one does. So each tribe has a representative who is going into the land to spy out the land. And then we get the list of names of all these guys. Now, Why is there this big list of names? Because these men are important. They are given a specific job, and it seemed good to the Spirit of God to give us their names, each one. It provides a level of accuracy in the narrative, which is interesting because one of the things that people really struggle with in this generation as it comes to the Bible is sometimes the lack of specificity about how certain things happen. Like how many of you read the creation account of Genesis chapter one and two, and kind of wish that God gave a little bit more details on how he worked all that out. I know I do. I'd be like, man, okay, so this is great. It's a beautiful poem and God created everything, but like, so how did he really do that though? Right. And, and obviously the scientific community would have loved more information, but God gives us only certain things. But it's interesting that you have these long lists of names because this is placing real people in real time with real responsibilities being given to them from the Lord. And so you get all of these different guys. Now, I spent a lot of time in my own study kind of going through what all the names mean and trying to come up with some really cool string of how I could put all the things together to give you a special secret message from the Hebrew names, but it didn't. I didn't come up with anything. You know, and listen, that's one of the things. If if you like the Bible, do that kind of stuff. Some of them have great little narratives through it. Other ones are just a list of names that I can't get anything extra special out of it, even though I could make one up and you guys would think I'm really spiritual, but I'm not gonna do that. I do think that there are a few things that are interesting. You'll notice verse six from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He's important. And then in verse 8, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. Now you get to the end of what I had just read in verse 16, we find these are the names of the man whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, we've met him already, haven't we? Do you remember in the two chapters ago in chapter 11, when God poured out his spirit on the 70 elders to help Moses, that Joshua was Moses' helper, his apprentice. He was, Joshua was zealous for Moses. And I made the case, because you all know that Moses, as Moses dies, Joshua becomes the next leader of the children of Israel. So we find here that Joshua's original name was Hosea. What's interesting is Hosea literally means salvation, and Joshua means God, our salvation. The name Joshua, or in the Hebrew, Yeshua, is actually the exact same name as our Lord Jesus. So it's interesting that Joshua's name originally meant salvation in a general sense, and then Moses is calling him Yahshua, God is our salvation. Now, you know why this is important? Because what you find as you move through the five books of Moses, once we finish Deuteronomy and we move into the book of Joshua, is that Moses isn't going to get into the promised land either. But Joshua is the one who leads him into the promised land. Why? Because Moses is a picture of the law. Works. Works don't get you into the promised land. Jesus gets you into the promised land. That's not by chance. And his name being Yahshua, Joshua. Moses, the law gave Joshua that name. Because the law's design was never to get us into heaven. The law's design, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, was to be the tutor to bring us to Jesus. So it's amazing that the... Lawgiver Moses gives Hosea the name Joshua, which perfectly completes the picture. Now, I bring that up because I realize, and we talked about this a little bit this weekend at Crossroads, I realize that for many of us, we know that we are saved by faith, but we're trying to perfect ourselves based on works. We just do it. It's like there's that part of us in our humanness that says, I have to do this. It's God is happy with me if I do everything right. God is unhappy with me if I do things wrong. I feel far from God when I make a mistake. And I feel close to God when I'm doing everything right. But the Bible actually doesn't teach that. Sure, Isaiah tells us that our sins separate us from God. But that was before Jesus died and rose again. And when a person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus... Because of Jesus, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And many of us get saved by grace and try and be sanctified by works. We say, I am saved by God's gift to me, but I am going to make sure that I grow in grace based on my own works. And listen, it's a fool's errand. You can't work your way to spiritual growth, it's all a gift. And that gift was already bought by Jesus. Now, listen, when you start talking about grace, the finished work of Jesus, someone's gonna say, but no, 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 no. You're gonna open up the door for us to be heathens with a little Jesus sprinkled on. No, 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 no. Grace is so radical. It's so transformational that when you walk by grace and you realize everything you have is a gift from God and you simply respond to the grace of God inspired by the Spirit, you are perpetually growing. And let's be honest. Has any of us had a perfect day, gotten everything right, no matter how hard you try? Because it's all based on grace. But I believe many of us, many of us are having such a hard time right now because you think Jesus saved you eternally, but you have to work out your salvation. Don't get me wrong. Didn't Paul say that? He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's not a period there for it is God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's Philippians two, twelve, and 13. It's not a a work it out, period. No, it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to willing to do for his good pleasure. We get to work out what God worked in. It's all by grace. We just simply, okay, I got the grace. I'm just gonna pass it along into my life. It's a powerful picture though, isn't it? Moses renamed him God, our salvation. So those two guys are in the list. Now, look at what happens. Look at what happens here. In verse 17, we get the instructions. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now, the instructions here are very specific, right? God is sending them on an errand, and he's got instructions, right? I want you to go up this way into the south. Go up to the mountains. So start in the south, up towards the mountains. I want you to see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Whether there's few or many. Now, you might be saying, why is all this in here? Because this was before a time of Google Earth. It was before the time of the internet where you can pull up pictures of your favorite place that you want to visit and you can read Wikipedia about what all the people are like. The children of Israel had never gone on a vacation because they had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. They didn't have paid vacation. They didn't have airplanes. They just worked and their parents worked and their parents' parents worked and they'd never been to this place before and they have no clue what they're getting themselves into. Try and imagine that life. Can you even fathom? Like, Imagine there's a whole world out there that you can't even see. It sounds absurd, but literally our generation takes all this stuff for granted. Where if you want to learn something, you just go on your mobile device, you borrow your friends, you just pop it up and boom, you have pictures and videos and this and that. You can read five different perspectives on how it got there. They had never been here before. So they had no information. They were a blank slate, and they're saying, we need to know everything. What's it like? Is there a lot of people? Are they strong? What about the cities? Are they camps, or are they strongholds? Are they walled cities? Or are they just little squatter camps? The land. Is it rich? Is it good land? Is it rich in the sense, can we cultivate it and grow crop, or is it A poor land And then notice what it says In verse 20 Because I do think this is important He says Be of good courage Be of good courage Remember I started by saying The problem with walking by faith Is that you gotta walk by faith You don't need courage When you're walking by sight Because you know exactly What you're dealing with But when it comes to walking by faith We need to be of good courage Whenever I think of courage, of course, I think of the Wizard of Oz, right? I think of the lion who lacks courage. And in a lot of ways, that's a great picture of our lives, isn't it?
1: Jesus is real. We live in an age with unprecedented access to information. But as Pastor Daniel shared today, the Israelites did not. They had no idea what the promised land was like. So Moses sent in spies to check it out, telling them to be of good courage. Pastor Daniel reminded you that it can be scary to step out in faith, even if you know in your head that God is good and has good things for you. It's hard to trust what you know and make choices that bank on that knowledge. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me
0: talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world. Find out more
1: and get your own copy at jesusisrealradio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel urges you to trust Jesus. You'll learn that Jesus wants to believe that he is who he says he is. You're going to face all kinds of obstacles in your life, but you can overcome those hurdles because of Jesus. Pastor Daniel will remind you that God has everything under control. You can trust him to get you through. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.